Hey everybody, I trust that you guys are having a great equip there in KZN and I'm delighted you're gathering. Well done for pressing on and finding creative ways to do this. Love to have been with you. I mean, that was the privilege, that was the plan. We're going to do our global equip over this time. But clearly that's not happening this year, but looking forward to seeing you soon, hopefully. Uh, but we are praying for you and trust that things are going really well then. Well done to you guys. I trust you're staying safe and you're staying sane there. And I uh, appreciate just the opportunity to share some things with you. And I'm hoping just to challenge us, to encourage us uh, to understand something of our season, what we've been in, and also going for it into the future that God has. So if you've got a Bible, quickly go with me to the book of Isaiah. Or you guys say Isaiah, but Isaiah chapter 46. And to say these are crazy times we're living in is probably the understatement of a century. But these are crazy times. And I know you guys are finding a way in coming out of this and trying to meet again and new strategies, new ways. And that's awesome. That's great. What I want to do is challenge us not just to bounce back to something of what was, but really to understand what God is doing and has done in this time and in this season. And my suggestion, honestly, friends, is that we have not been set back. And I know there's a lot of talk. Is this a setback or have we been set up? I do believe there's a setup. Um, I've often said this, that we're not all in the same storm. I mean, we're not all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. And many guys say, ah, oh, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. We're not. Uh, even in your region, you're not all in the same boat. And it's the same storm globally, but we're all in different boats. And the danger in this season is to try and do what everyone else is doing. Uh, and I think that will actually set us back rather than live in the setup of what God's doing. So please don't just do what everyone else is doing. But let me also just say in a storm from Scripture, so in the New Testament, Jesus, uh, the Gospels, when Jesus and his disciples were in storms, we've always been taught, and I believe it's true, but we've always been taught you've got to find Jesus in the storm. Uh, see Jesus through the storm. And that's true. But I also want to suggest we need to see the storm through Jesus. And what I mean by that is actually we've got to understand that what we're going through, I don't believe the coronavirus was, or the pandemic was sent by God, but I do believe He allowed it. And the reason I know He allowed it is because it happened. But I want to say that there's things in the season that God is doing and has done that has helped us to be set up and be a better church, better people that represent Him well. And I want to highlight some of that today with you, rather than just talk about our future and bounce into what is, and let's just forget the moment. There's a deep work. Somebody said that God does His deepest work in our darkest hour. And I think there's been darkness for many of us and challenge and just leading local churches and being involved and how do we stay the course and and a whole lot of up in the air stuff. But God's done some great things and I believe He has set us up. And we need to get back to what he's doing and make sure he's adjusted, not in the churches out there, in our lives, in our ministries, to make sure we can function effectively in the season and through it. So let's see the storm through Jesus' eyes rather than just try and find Jesus only in it to get through it. So uh, I believe mountaintops inspire us, but it's the valley times that uh, mature us. And I think there's been a whole lot. Imagine this. I mean, people have asked me, what's the lockdown for you? What's the takeaway for you? What's the surprise? And my surprise in this is how the church has had to grow up in six months that we probably wouldn't have, if we're honest, by all our gatherings, all our meetings, I don't think we would have as matured as much as we've had to. Yes, in this difficult season, but I think the the church has been matured in this valley season. Maybe we're not inspired by the mountaintops, but we've been matured. And that's a good thing. We need to grow up and be more and more mature. So in this season, can I say, please, those of us who are leading, 
Lead with purpose. Lead with vision. It's a season to present future and to present what God's come back. I'm going to talk about some of that. Come back to what God's called the church to. But lead with purpose. Can I also say lead prophetically? Understand strategies and seasons and times and what we can do in this time and season coming out of this into the future so we can understand the season and know what to do in the season. Can I also say we need to keep pioneering and taking ground. This is this. So is this a setback or is it a setup? Well, let's see Isaiah 46, verse 8. It says, remember this, keep it in mind and take it to heart, you rebels. Forget the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is none like me. I am God uh, and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. So we must look up in the season right now. And to whom will you compare me? God asked that question. We can't compare him to anyone. And that's good to be reminded. Who is his equal? Nobody. So I'm God, there's none like me, I'm in full control, and it's good to hear. Verse 10, he says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I'll do all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird of uh, prey, from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said that I'll bring about, what I have planned, that will I do. We must keep looking up and we must keep looking forward. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Jeremiah 29.11, another well-worn quoted scripture. Uh, it says that in verse 11, For God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Again, friends, Note that it's not, I'm going to bless your plans and I'm hooking you up. He says, no, no, I know the plans I have for you. I'm in control. The things I've said I will do. I'm watching over my word to see my word fulfilled. It's not do your thing and I'm going to bless it. It's rather I'm fulfilling my purpose and I'm in absolute control of all things. Well, that's all Old Testament tyrant. Yeah, okay, Romans 8.28 says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who, who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Again, friends, back to His purpose. God's taking all these things we're going through and He's working them for the good of what He has called us to in His purpose. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose, again, of His will. So the point in all of this, friends, is that God's in full control. God's doing His thing and He's absolutely using this coronavirus, this pandemic, this shutdown to fulfill the purposes. He's utilizing it and mobilizing and strengthening us and He's setting us up. And it might be our plans on pause, but it's His purposes that are prevailing. And that's the good thing we need to see again and again. That means we've got to live and lead with, I believe, a sense of destiny. I read these truths and I realize the destiny in our lives. A sense of dedication, friends. When you get destiny, you understand we've got to be dedicated in the season to the things that God's doing. We also need to be determined. We need to press on and keep on being determined in a time and a season like this, not losing our way. And I want to say we need a sense of duty. I love the sense of destiny, and I don't know about you, but it's given me a sense of duty in these times and seasons to lead faithfully, to stay focused, and to come back to what God's doing and making sure we're aligning ourselves with the things and purposes and plans of God. And so let me say again, God's plans and purposes for us have never been on shutdown. They're not on shutdown, even through this pandemic. 
that we're facing. In the prophetic word in, we got in March from Dave Hagar, who leads a church in Melbourne, Australia, a prophetic guy on our team. And he said this, he said, while many say chaos, the Lord says convergence. Keep our focus on Him and what He's doing. What's He doing? Keeping our focus on Him. Not what we're doing, not our plans, His. While this is a sobering time, and my goodness, six months in, we've seen how sobering the time it is. The Lord wants us to open our eyes, stay in faith and connect with what He is doing. We may be in a shutdown with coronavirus situation, but God says, do not be in a spiritual shutdown. This is a time for the church to shine, Isaiah 60, and reach out with love and acts of kindness, creative expression, ramping up prayer and spiritual warfare. 2020, he says, listen friends, even though it's already October for us now, 2020 is a significant year for us to of convergence and breakout. What's God doing? Convergence and breakout, despite what we see around us right now with the coronavirus and upheaval. He is moving in a time of shaking and, uh, 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 and a backdrop of chaos and uncertainty. Cities and nations and financial systems and economies and world leaders and people are all being shaken. But Jesus is opening up opportunity for this to be our finest hour to occupy and to possess a delightful inheritance to the, and to be a blessing to the nations of the world. This is the time to arise and shine. Now again, that was in uh, March this year, and I, I don't want to build my whole teacher around this, but this I want to say, looking back six months later, we can see God has done a lot of this already. God is doing this thing, and that's my challenge to us today is, what is God doing? Not what are we doing? Not what about our plans? What is God doing? What has He done? And I know this, God's in full control of all things. I love that Jeremiah chapter 11, uh, chapter 1, which we all talk about as the call of Jeremiah. But we come to that question when God asked him, what do you see? In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 11, he says, what, the word of the Lord came to me and says, what do you see, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah said, I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. And the Lord said, I, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I'm watching to see my word fulfilled. Again, friends, he saw correctly. And I, I want to say, are we seeing correctly in this season? Are we seeing what God wants us to see? Not are we seeing what we want, or what others are seeing. What is God seeing? What is God doing? And are we seeing correctly? So what is God doing in this season? What is He doing? How is He setting us up? Well, again, I've shared these things before. They're good reminders. But I feel as I've prayed for your time and, and your connect time, let's not just jump into the next thing. Let's learn the lessons. Let's adjust. Let's make sure this deep work's done so we don't have to go through this stuff again and we are realigned with the things that God's called us. So what is He doing? Well, number one, I believe He's reclaimed and is reclaiming and has reclaimed His church. What I mean by that is this. I've said this many times. I don't believe it's the selfish, uh, the self, uh, self-indulgent culture of uh, the church that hinders the progress of the gospel. I do believe we are about the king's business. We are about mission. We understand what we're called to. So it's not the selfish thing that we got our eyes on us and we, we self-absorb. But what it is, is the selfish and the self-sufficient mentality of the church that is hindering the gospel and the progress of the gospel. What I mean by that is it's almost like we think we can do this thing without Him. And it's like God in one moment shut down everything, allowed the church globally, literally in one week, the whole church globally was forced not to gather. 
And right there, we all, with our plans and our strategies and knowing what we're called to do, we're forced to go back to Him and say, actually, we can't do this without you. God's reclaimed His church and said, you need to come to me and work with me. John 15, Jesus makes it so clear, friends, about the vine and the, 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 the vine. And the branches. And he says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. And as that thing shut down and as the gatherings were ceased and the way we all do church and ministry stopped, that's where God brought us back to saying, apart from me, we can do nothing. It's amazing how many people in the church, churchgoers today, are happy to go connect with Moses, the man of God, to hear from God, rather than to go up the mountain themselves and connect with God themselves. And I believe those days are over. I believe in the season of reclaiming, God's saying, yes, leadership's important. Yes, people need to share on my behalf. But we don't go to a Moses. We don't go to a man who's been with God. We get to go to God ourselves. That's the New Testament, the New Covenant. And I believe that's what God's re-highlighting for us. So understand, He's reclaimed. He's taken His church back. And I think that's a good thing. Now, has He done that with you, friends? Is that what we're about? Because we see in John 15, in, when Jesus talks about this vine and the branches, it talks about us being connected to Him ourselves. We've got to get connected. There we've got to have communion with Him. We've got to connect and commune with Him. And that's where calling is birth and strengthened and where we stay the course. So again, we've got to come back to that revelation. Second thing I believe God's doing, in the season setting us up is that he's put a reset to the church. He's resetting the church. Now, a lot of people say, oh, we don't need like, I don't like that language. We didn't need a reset. No, we did, friends. The fact is that many of us, including me, were running with things in this time and season, running just with momentum and momentum's awesome and we love it. But if you're just running with momentum, you're busy with a whole lot of stuff. And if we're honest, Many of us knew there were things that perhaps needed to adjust or things we, we didn't need to be doing, but we just did them because we had momentum and we kept running. And then one moment, boom, suddenly it all stopped and God gave us a moment to say, I'm hitting reset and I'm just going to get some of these things we're all busy with, maybe good things, but they're lagging us, they're getting in the way and we're burning out. And I just want to say God's printed the reset for all of us and I think that's a good thing. See, I think the world, the church in the world, and even in our ranks, and maybe even you guys in KZN, we've been so busy doing church rather than being the church. And I love how it's been presented. The best description I've heard in this season is this. God's removed the makeup of the church, and now it's time for the true heart of the church to be revealed. And amazing in leadership, and you guys and I, we also quickly want to put the makeup back on. And you know, makeup does, it, en it enhances something, but it also covers the blemish. I don't want to, I feel like God's saying, don't cover up blemishes, deal with the blemishes in the season. That's what he's doing. In our darkest hour, he does his deepest work. So let that stuff get dealt with, friends. Now's the season of a reset. Um, now's the time for the church and the heart to be. I believe that whole wineskin, wine and wineskin. I, I believe that God's changing the wineskin to accommodate the wine again. God wants to pour out his wine, but we need the wineskin adjusted. And in the church, there is a now, there's a shifting from program driven to actually caring for people again, which I think is awesome. And is that true for you? Because we don't want to just have programs that we're running with. We want to be about the people and loving the people. Greater commitment to mission over methods. I think it's methods that have destroyed the church because we're just doing what everyone else is doing. Somebody said it was the idol of methodology that stopped Moses from taking the promised land. And, and I think that can be true for us. We can get so caught up in methods and methods are needed. I get that. But it's about mission, friends, not about methods. I believe God's shifting 
uh, teams towards biblical functions and giftings again. We, we actually finding uh, the role of real leadership and good leadership and, and all the good things there. I, I believe there's a turning from competitiveness to true collaboration. The local church has never been more local. And suddenly those who are competing around the world and are in the churches are suddenly say, hey, we need each other. We realize the need for each other. And that's a good thing. That's helpful. I believe there's also being a shifting from just empowering people to go and do it to actually equipping people. And that's what the season's about. The reset is, are we not just empowering them? Are we equipping them to go and be and to go and minister and to go and be the followers of Jesus? Friends, this is what God's doing now, I believe. This is the setup. And we want to not just bounce back to what was. We want to keep on moving in what is as we focus on the future and take ground in this season. I also believe there's a focus that God's focused our energies on the true church in this season. And what I mean by that is there's this purging effect of this pandemic. And I believe He's allowing the leaders to, to more accurately discern those truly invested in Jesus' mission and work. In other words, it's painful right now, but we know the difference now in the churches, certainly I'm sure you guys are sensing, who are attenders and who are participators. And we don't want to write off attenders, but we want to get them involved and we need to adjust on this side of eternity and I know who's truly bought into the mission and getting on with following Jesus and who's just attenders. We've got to help. And so there's this great purge that's happening. That's painful, I'm sure, for all of us. But at least we can fix it this side of eternity rather than think it's all working out and find out that side of eternity that actually there were a lot of uh, attenders and not enough participators. So let's adjust. And I think there's some of that happening. One of the greatest things for me in this season, I think, in part of this reset is that there's a greater dependence on the supernatural work of God. And friends, the church has grown tired of endlessly filling a calendar that requires nothing of God. And now we all want to be part of, I believe, something that can only be explained by God. And so in weakness, we now set on, on this incredible journey of faith again. And so that's part of something of the reset. Thirdly, I want to say that there's a refocusing. There's a refocusing. You know, for too long, we the church have been getting our agenda from the world rather, or from the culture rather than the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Your word is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. My point, my point in this is if it's settled in heaven for eternity, then it's settled here on earth forever as well in the practice and the preaching, friends. And we've got to come back to the word of God, even in these times and seasons. Make sure we're filtering everything through his word rather than through seasons and cultures and the world and what the world's facing out there. And so the challenge for us is not to just read the word of God, but actually to deliver, to declare it, to build accordingly. And we've got to keep on coming back to God's word. And I wonder if that's happening for us. Are we just looking to what the world's doing and we're having a reaction to it? Are we letting the lenses of scripture? And may I remind you that if it's head knowledge for us, then we critique the Bible. But if it's heart knowledge, then we allow the Bible to critique us. And it needs to be that mirror for us to adjust and a lens to, prefer, to give a future that God's given because He's watching over His words. I, I want to just say that again, the Word of God helps us come back and to the things that matter, focusing on the right things, the refocusing. And, and I want to suggest we need to refocus back, number one, on the Master Revelation, Jesus Christ, Lordship. I know we know this, friends, but I, I think we're so quick to get cause-driven. And the reason we get cause-driven is because we allow the cause to sit next to Christ. So many of us are about good things, God things, kingdom things, but they've taken the place because they've, we put them alongside Christ rather than under Christ. You know, the Bible in Colossians chapter 1 says that 
in all things that Jesus will have supremacy or preeminence or be first in all things. First means he's before all things. In other words, it's not Jesus and mission, Jesus and church planning, Jesus and justice or, or whatever our cause is. Because whenever a cause is seated next to Jesus, we end up running with the cause at the expense of Jesus. My, my, my challenge to us is this. It's Jesus first. It's Jesus, then the cause. And whatever the cause is, church planning, kingdom, uh, releasing people, all the stuff we're doing well, all the stuff we call to, all his stuff needs to come under him, not next to him. Otherwise, we end up being cause driven. And just take a look around the world right now and see what the church is. Just take a look in South Africa, what the church is doing. We're running with causes that are dividing rather than submitting them under the lordship of Jesus. I'm always reminded of that story of uh, Leonardo da Vinci when he did that great painting, his famous painting about uh, the, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. And the story goes that before he made it public and he showed all his, uh, made it, he invited his friends to come in and look at this, this painting. And the original painting actually had a, a cup in the hand of Jesus. And his friends kept marveling and talking about the cup in the hand of Jesus. Eventually, uh, Leonardo da Vinci took his paintbrush and he painted over that cup. And he made, and now you would see it's an empty hand in the hands of Jesus. His friend said to him, why did you do that? And he said, because nothing must ever take, take the place or distract from the figure of Jesus. And I, and I want to say that's true for us, friends. I think a lot of the good stuff, I mean, that cup represents the blood, the, the, his, his blood that was poured out. It was the work of Christ that was represented in his hand. It's right and it's good. But you know, the work of Christ can actually take the place of Christ. Let me tell you, the cross without Jesus was just a tree. A lot of good people died on crosses. The reason the cross mattered so much is because Jesus is on the cross. He was on the cross. And I want to just keep on coming back to that. Why is it that in the book of Revelation, what does Jesus address if Ephesus church for? You've done all these good things, these causes for me. Well done. But I have this against you. You forgot about me. In other words, these things were next to me. They took the place of me. And he said, repent and come back to those things. So my challenge, friend, is we need this revelation. Master first. Jesus first. And I want to say, again, we need to come back to the Jesus of the Bible, not the counterfeit Jesus of our culture. Um, God made us in his image, the Bible says. And someone said, and we've returned the favor. We're trying to get him back into our image. We've been made in his image. And a Jesus that looks like me does not require me to change anything about me. And we are called to be like him. He's not called to be like us. You know, when you study the movements of God, the great movements in church history, I know you've heard me say this, but I've been challenged by this. I think it's such a highlight for us in the shutdown and lockdown to make sure we focus on the right things. But, but if you study them, you realize these, these movements had huge impact globally and huge impact of, for the kingdom, changed destinies and lives. But what you find is if you study on, you realize that actually the founding generation did some radical things because of their revelation of Jesus. But the followers ended up having connection with the founders rather than with Jesus themselves. And the majority of those great ministries and movements actually ceased. They lost the life that God had given them because they looked to founders rather than to Jesus. And that is a challenge for you and I in any leadership form that we better be pointing people to Jesus and master revelation matters most. Secondly, in this thing is mission revelation. We need to come back to the mission. That's the reminder. When you read scripture, you can't, from Genesis to Revelation, friends, it's, it's in every page. Revelation of Christ and his mission. And, and I want to suggest, I know that things have been shut down and locked down for us and some of us have been struggling, but the mission's carrying on. We've got to keep on focusing as we come out of this. 
the mission that is before us. And there's so much talk about end times and is this the end? And it's gone crazy in my country and I'm sure even in yours because I know you guys listen to a lot of stuff. And now there's beginning to predict this is the end with all this pandemic and with the racial intention and injustice and all the tensions happening. Our elections that you know is happening. Everybody's basing the end times around these things. And, and I want to say it's crazy because when we base everything around our circumstances, we lose our way. And it would seem that's exactly what happened in the book of Acts, where the disciples said to Jesus, are you going to restore the, at this time the kingdom to Israel? And, and Jesus, in Acts 1.6, and Jesus said, it's not for you to know times or days that my father said by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So what were they saying? Are you going to restore? They were conflating in, the, in that moment. Politics, um, nationalism, uh, eschatology, religion, Christianity, whatever. They were putting it all together and saying, is it about Israel? And Jesus said, don't get caught up in those things. And I'm not going to give you knowledge of time. I'm going to give you power for the mission. His response was, get on with the mission. That's what is mattering to him. And we do that, friends. We conflate nationalism or politics. Even now, when we talk theology, everyone wants to make it political. Even in your country, it's happening. We've got to come back to the Word of God and realize it's not about those political things. It's about mission. Uh, Jesus did the same thing in Matthew 24. My favorite verse around end times where Jesus was asked by his disciples again, are you going to restore the kingdom to... Uh, uh, he said, sorry, he said, when will we know the end? Get, what will be some of the signs? And Jesus began to... See, the first thing he said, do not be deceived. Let no one deceive you. That's interesting. We, don't, we need to hear that again. But then he said, um, these things will begin to happen and nation will rise up against nation. And then he said, Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come again. Question is, are you going to know, let us know when the time, when? And he said, don't get caught up in those things, but this gospel. So friends, it's not the Antichrist. It's not the mark of the beast. It's not the vaccination or all this. It's not the election. It's not if your party gets it. Those things are important, but they don't determine what God's doing, the times and dates. And I want to say, if God wanted us to know when he was returning, when Jesus was coming, he would have told us. But what he does keep focusing us back on is this mission, because it's the mission, this gospel going. That gospel being preached to the nations, the regions, the globe, that's what brings the end. And I want to say, we've got to come back to that mission, buy into that mission and live for those things. Thirdly, I want to also say, in this thing of refocusing us on our mandate, making disciples. I know these are American companies. What does Pizza Hut make? Pizza. Uh, what does Starbucks make? Coffee. I mean, I know it's not good coffee, but they're known for coffee. Or Wimpy, let me use yours. Wimpy make hamburgers, I believe. I think you still do. They certainly have coffee there. But can you imagine going to Starbucks, back to my Starbucks, and ordering a coffee, and they say, excuse me, sir, we, we don't make coffee here. You say, but hang on, you're Starbucks. Uh, you're misrepresenting your brand. And they're like, no, we don't make that. Well, I want to say that Jesus made it very clear. Our job as the church is to make disciples, followers of Jesus, making followers of Jesus. We to be known for making disciples. And I don't think we are known for making disciples. We cannot suggest are misrepresenting our brand. And God's brought us back to that thing again. So please, let's come back to that ministry that results in maturity. That's the refocusing, not just having ministry, but resulting in maturity, growing up and growing out. The word and the spirit, we need all of that. And we count, you know, we kept saying we count success, but God weighs success. Those are the things we need to focus on. There's a realigning of our heart with his heart, friends. I've, I've said this before, but I don't believe the church is the solution because Jesus is the solution. 
And so the church has to come back to being there, understanding that Jesus is the head of the church. We all agree with that. The Bible is very clear. But he's not just the head. He's the heart of the church. Uh, we're told to live our lives in him, under him, with him, for him, all these things. In other words, it's his heart. The, the church should reflect the head of Christ, the heart of Christ. And he's the hope of the church and the hope for the world. Paul says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. So he's the head of the church. He's the heart of the church. And he's the hope of the church and the hope of the world. And we are simply, the church is his hands and his feet. And that's important to know because the last time I looked, my hands and feet, they do what my head and my heart tells him what to do. So the challenge for us is this, friends. We can't just walk around and say, what would Jesus do? Wear the braces, WWJD. Because when we say, what would he do? We are, in fact, going to imply what we think given our heart. And I want to say we've got to come back to the Gospels and let's go and preach. What did he do? Then we know that's the heart of the church. And when that's happening, when Jesus head, heart and hope, we are the hands and feet. Then I believe the church can be the solution. But if you look around right now, the church is not the solution because we're getting in the way of things. And we're determining and opinion driven and let's come back to representing Jesus to this world and being who he's called us to be. And I believe that this season is realigning. He's repositioning us. He's empowering the priesthood in the shutdown and lockdown. And I've loved how he's empowered people. The leaders have had to release people to carry responsibility. Can I challenge you leaders? Don't take it back in this season. Let them run with stuff so you and I can run with what God's called us to. The priests need to be priesting. And priests know how to minister to God, minister to themselves and minister to others. We've got to get the priests priesting. And God's empowered them now in this season. Also, I believe there's a release. Uh, in this season, God's releasing us from things so he can release us into greater things. I felt at the beginning of this year, God said it's a season of release. And then we got shut down and locked up. But I want to tell you in this lockup, lockdown time, I believe that God is releasing the church from things. He's given us a season of releasing things so he can release us into greater things. So there are greater doors. And I think for doors to open, we need some doors to close. And that's part of this season. So let me try and land with this and say the do nots of the season. Do nots of the season. Can I say, do not look to the past. I think there's many of us who just want to bounce back to something. Can't wait to get back to. I listen to the language of some of our pastors and leaders. Just want to get back to what was. Let me tell you, there's no going back. What God's done requires us to press on and press forward. And I love the book of Revelation, the four doors in Revelation. It says this, that God will open doors that no man can shut. But he'll also close doors that no man can open. And I want to say that we love the open doors because that's a door of opportunity and that's a door of provision. But you know, he also closes doors so we can see doors to open. And I think what's happened in this time is some of the doors we've been involved in have shut and we're going to try and kick them down. When God's closed those doors, no man can open them, but he's done it so we can see the doors that are open. So my, my suggestion is let's not try and bounce back to what was. Let's look to what's to come and say what's shut and what's God open. And I want to tell you the testimony of the last six months is how many doors have opened because we've able to see what doors have shut. So don't try and let, come back to the past and get back to what was. Understand there's a door that he shuts that no man can open. He, the doors he opens, no man can open, uh, that no man can close. The door, he says, behold, I stand at the door of your hut and knock. Open door to intimacy with him. And then I love in Revelation chapter 4, the door of heaven above us. There's this open heaven above us. Friends, I know that doesn't always mean what we want it to mean, but I do believe it speaks of provision and the backing of heaven as we go forward into what God has. So don't look to the past. Secondly, don't look to the present. In other words, don't let the present determine the future. I'm amazed how many of us are making decisions now based on 
present stuff rather than future. That's why we've got to see the storm through the lenses of Christ. What is Jesus seeing and what's he teaching us? Don't make decisions now that we're going to regret for the future. Let the future determine the present in what we're involved in. What we believe about the future determines how we live and lead in the present. Thirdly, please don't be pragmatic. It's not a season to be pragmatic and just do what everyone else is doing. We can't lead or look just out of observation. It's got to be revelation. Otherwise, we're going to be pragmatic into this future. We need revelation. Don't be passive, friends. I'm amazed how many are just waiting out the storm. We're just going to wait out the storm. God's not called us to wait. He's called us to get on with it, press on and get on with occupying and possessing. Even in this season, even in your time for KZN, occupy and possess. Take ground in the season. Don't wait it out. Next point is don't be impatient. There is a timetable of heaven. I believe that. And impatience is the fruit of unbelief. And we need to stay at his appointed place and go at his appointed pace. But let's wait for him. And in this thing of the don'ts, don't pursue the wrong thing. You know, the devil's desire is to destroy us. But I've often said, I believe he's only been given the power to distract us. So how does he destroy us? By distracting us. And so don't be distracted. Don't just press on and run into the things that we had before. Let's hear God in what he's in. And here are the do's. Let me land with this. The do's in this season. The helps of this season. Where must we look? Well, I believe number one, we need to look to the person of God. We've already talked about Jesus again, but I just want to say, make sure we focus on Jesus, the object, the perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12 verse 2, fix your eyes on Jesus, friends. We, Daniel eleven thirty two says, those who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits for him. So look to Jesus. Someone said a pessimist is a glass half empty person. An optimist is a glass half full person, but a psalmist is a my cup overflows and we need to be psalmists in this season regardless of your personality let's be psalmists let's overflow by going to the lord and pressing and secondly look to the promises of god feast on scripture the daily food of promise we need to feed our faith and starve um, our fears and that means go to scripture also focus on the prophetic words i've pulled those out again for the local churches and for the ncmi and I've been crying out to God for some of those prophetic. We've seen a lot fulfilled, but there's still some unfinished and un, uh, there's more in God of those prophetic. And that's what uh, Paul challenged Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19. Call those things into being. Cry out so you can fight and uh, you can fight the fight well, the battle well. Thirdly, look to the power of God. Look to what God can do, not what we can do. I think that's what we've got to be seeing right now. Look, fourthly, to the provision of God. God doesn't want to be our safety net. He is our source. And we've got to look to what he's doing and what he's got. Don't look to what we have. Look to what he's called us to. Number five, look to what pleases him. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. In this season, let's be full of faith. Let's do stuff that God's called us to do. Let's step out and lead. So stay focused, friends. And I think uh, we need some quick decision making in the season. And we need to, as I said, not be approaching the future pragmatically. Don't let fear grip you. Don't be silenced. Don't be frustrated. But stay focused in this season of what God has. Stay firm. When you say yes to God, say no to a lot of other things. And I feel like in this season, we need to do three things well rather than everything well and get lost and busy with the wrong things again. Stay faithful. Stay flexible. God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. Isaiah 55. And God's plans are greater than ours. Stay fruitful. And I think that means at times to grow, allow embrace smaller in order to be bigger. 
build for the future. Involve their youth. Get them involved and let them run. Empower them and equip them to run with what God has. And so here we close. Psalm 32 verse 8. And I'm just going to read this one, two verses and we're done. Psalm 32 verse 8 and 9. It's the Passion Translation. It says this. I hear the Lord saying, I'll stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I'll advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So do not be anchored difficult. Do not be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Don't make me tug you or pull you along. Just come with me. In this season, God's done. God's set us up. God's done great things and we want to adjust accordingly as we press into the future. But let's go with Him where we've never gone before. Let's not bounce back. Let's bounce forward and let's make sure we are adjusting as we go forward. Let's go for it. Let's take ground. Let's possess. Let's occupy. Let's release. Let's live in the bigness of the provision and the purposes of God. God bless you, friends. We're praying for you, longing to see you. Trust to be a great equip for you guys at KZN. And looking forward to seeing you soon. Take care.